0: Is real.
1: There's power in your name. We trust in your ways. We need to be real. Jesus is real.
0: We turn away from competition. We turn away from positionalism. We turn away of getting the upper hand and making the right arguments so that everyone knows that I'm right or whatever. And we turn away from that. And we say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to be like a kid. Look what happens in verse four. And I love this. Because Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like this little child in verse three, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I love this. My friends, you need to learn from your children.
1: We learn so much from the younger generation. Children seem to innately know how to love without reservation. Pastor Daniel shares in today's message how they seek simple answers and they keep going after the joy they seem to find everywhere, even when life knocks them down. Jesus tells us to become humble like little children, and then we'll be considered great in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. Today, we can seek Jesus as our kids do. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 18 with part two of his message, Greatness Equals Humility. See,
0: the question is, is, Lord, who gets to be the greatest in your kingdom? And Jesus says, no, no, listen, listen. You see this kid, this little child? Yeah, I want you to be like him, not like you. How cool is that? See, Jesus is, he's radical. He's graphic in some ways. It's a total reversal of the human value scales and systems that we live in. A child in that culture was of zero importance. I mean, it's even like today. When was the last time you and your family are going through a big thing and you grabbed the three-year-old and said, so what do you think about that? I just think about that, like my little Annabelle, you know, she's so cute, she sucks her thumb, she's just adorable, and like me and little be walking through something, like, Annabelle, what do you think? Cake. And <laughs> you know what's awesome? She's brilliant, you know what I mean? Because sometimes the only way to fix something is to eat a little cake, amen? <laughs> because kids think about the world differently. And so we need to be convert. we need to turn, we need to... In some ways, we need to turn away from being like adults and we need to think like children again. And, you know, Peter said almost the same thing in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent, which means a turn, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, that's why we're doing baptisms today here at Crossroads After Second Service. Because baptisms, see, when you turn from living your own life and you turn to Jesus, right? Then Jesus says, I want you to follow me into the waters of baptism. Now, you know why that's important? Because when you go into the waters of baptism, it's like you go under the water and you come out again. It's like your old life. Dies with Jesus on the cross And you get buried in the tomb And then when you come out of the water It's like Jesus being resurrected from the grave And the reason this is so important Is because Jesus is asking each one of us To live our lives by a different script A different packaging See, our world says Be in competition And live your own life And don't ever back down And then Jesus says, no, no, no You want to have eternal life? You need to die to yourself That I can That God can resurrect a new life in you. And when someone follows Jesus into the waters of baptism, they're saying, my life identifies with this crucifixion and resurrection. Which is a whole different way of looking at the world than saying... I'm going to always succeed. I'm always going to be the most handsome, the most kind, the wealthiest. I'm going to get whatever I want. And see, and it's not meant to be a one-time thing. It's meant to be a descripting of one way of living and a rescripting of a new way of living. Now listen, right now, right here, I realize that in a church the size of Crossroads, Crossroads is not monolithic. You know, it's not like everyone's in the same spot here. There's some of you who are here who you put your faith and trust in Jesus a long time ago. And even walking with Jesus for a long time. And then there's others of you who you just put your faith and trust in Jesus just maybe recently. There's some of you right here right now, today is the day you're going to put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. And there's others of you who are here who you're here and you're like, there ain't no way I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus today, and probably ever, but I'm here. So we have a large span. But this reality of not competing but being converted and turning and letting Jesus write a new script for our life, this is really important no matter where you find yourself. Because if you're here today and you've already had your, put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you've had your faith and trust in Jesus for a long time, this reality of death and resurrection, this idea of not jockeying for position, but being unconcerned about social status like a child, it's powerful, isn't it? Because no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, it's really hard to do that we've had this here. And look, I'm going to use an example. And I'm not saying that in this me or the crossroads leadership did everything right, because we don't always do everything right. But what I have found is that when somebody believes they belong in one layer of leadership and they get asked to step aside and then they leave, it actually proves that they shouldn't have been in leadership in the first place. And I get, sometimes people get hurt. I have to make decisions. Sometimes people get hurt. I get that. And I have to live with that. But the reality is, is that if you can't serve from any position, then you're really not a servant. Does it make sense? Now, I say that because I realize that for each one of us, that's the hardest thing to hear in the world. Because I know people, they love Jesus. I love Jesus. I've been walking with Jesus for almost 20 years. It's really hard not to expect things based on the status that I believe I deserve. But then Jesus shows up and he says, Wild and crazy things that only the king of the kings and the lord of lords would say and say no 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 listen You need to be like a child You need to be unconcerned about that because we serve at the pleasure of the king And that's our only function Does It make sense So if you've been here today and you've been walking with jesus for a long time always be careful not to allow This idea of status start to drive your decision making Because I'm here to tell you, if you're you're like a child, you realize, like, my kids realize that certain decisions are not theirs. They may say, Dad, I don't understand the decision. Can you explain it to me? But they realize it's not their decision to make. But what happens when you get older, everyone thinks, it's my decision to make. And I didn't like that decision. It's like, well, if it wasn't your decision to make, humility would dictate, maybe you don't understand the decision. Do you see how it works? Now, I realize I say that in this context as somebody who I have to make lots of decisions and pray for me and pray for our leadership because oftentimes we have to make decisions that are not easy and, and they're imperfect situations and imperfect information. And you're like, Lord, what are you doing? And you're like, Lord, how do I do this thing? But no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, it is so easy to lose sight of this, isn't it? It's like, well, if I'm not in that position, then God is calling me somewhere else like, really? So if you're a a long-term follower of Jesus, how many of us are got this thing nailed down about this, be converted and don't be concerned about the position and the perks that come with the position. Now, if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, God wants you to be converted too. See, when I meet people who don't, yet believe in Jesus, they always have very extensive arguments about why they don't. And I know that because I was one of those people. I didn't grow up in a Christian home and I remember starting to hear the gospel and and I'd be like, oh, this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And really what it boiled down to is I don't really want Jesus to have to die on a cross for me because that actually says that I needed someone to die for me. But Jesus' encouragement is as important for you as it is for a long-term follower of jesus because he's saying look there's nothing more proud that says nobody can take the punishment for my mistakes i'm going to take it on my own does it make sense they're saying nobody's allowed to do that for me because i do it myself but you know what's amazing when you start to think about it because i remember i was that person where i'd hear the gospel and i would say ain't no one gonna give their life for me it's my life i'll deal with it myself But then I started thinking about it and I realized that all the most important things, guess what? I don't choose any of those things. You guys know I like eating, right? Thank God I don't have to remember to digest my food. Because you know what happens? You eat and you just move on, right? It's like, could you imagine if you have to remember to keep your heart beating? I mean, I can't even remember to take the garbage out most days. You know what I mean? It's like, if you had to, every second, beat heart. Beat heart. You know, it's like, you know, like we space out on that thing, the production of air so that you can breathe. All the most important knobs are on God's side of the wall. So why wouldn't salvation be on God's side of the wall? So people set up a self-salvation plan. I think some of you are there right now where you have this self-salvation plan. where like, I don't want to believe in Jesus because I could save myself because I went to the Angelina Jolie school of trying to do good works while throwing my soon to be ex-husband under the bus. As if one offsets the other and they don't see, they don't, but that's, we live in a world that's like that. Now, listen, I have no clue what went on in Brad, Jelena's home, believe me. And I don't want to know. I got enough problems with what's going on in the Fusco home. You know what I mean? But the idea is, is that each one of us has all these things that are going on. And if we're not careful, we're going to be on a self salvation plan where we're saying, I'm going to save myself. And that's why Jesus says, no, no, you need to be converted. Because you know what happens when a little kid, like, let me give you an example. I love my kids and they are awesome kids, but they are slobs. Like they come out of the womb sloppy. You know what I mean? So now all of my kids are slobs and I don't know where they get it from. Right? I can tell you it ain't me. So they're all slobs, right? Right? Every single day in my home, every morning, we go through the same little thing with my kids. Your parents know what this is like. Okay, make your bed, brush your teeth, clean your room, get your backpack together. Does that have your parent with me? Am I the only one who goes through this every single day like it's the first time? Okay, and every single day, no matter what happened the day before, even you close, they, they clean their room before they go to bed, somehow they wake up in the morning and the room is trash. I don't know how it happens, but it happens every single night, right? Now, when I say to my kids, clean your room, And they say, oh, come on, dad. I say, oh, come on, we do this every single day. Then all of a sudden I go in and clean their room when they're in the shower. You think they're mad at me about that? No, right? They're like, dad, you're awesome. High five. You know, thanks for doing that. You know what? That's exactly what the Lord has done for each one of us. Our lives are like a messy room and it's a total mess and it needs to get cleaned up. But we can't clean it up because it's perpetually messy because we all make mistakes. And Jesus says, look, I'm going to come. I'm going to clean your room for you. And all the adults like, why'd you do that? It's my room. It doesn't make any sense. You should be giving the Lord high fives. Thank you very much for salvation. I needed that. I can't get that room clean no matter how hard I try. But some of you hearing this right now, whether you're here in our sanctuary, you're part of our internet campus or Facebook live, you're saying, Lord, I don't want you to clean my room. And I'm here to tell you, that's not logical. Because the thing is, you can't clean your own room. And that's why he says you need to be converted. And being converted literally means you turn from doing it your own way. And you turn to the Lord and you say, thank you for doing what I could never do. And for some of you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that in just a few moments. And it's so important that you do it. See, I love it. These are the disciples. These are the leaders in the early church. These are the men that Jesus chose who are going to extend the message of the good news of Jesus after he's gone and he's bringing a little kid up. He's like, listen, you need to be converted and be like this dude. And you just imagine this little kid just like picking his nose, you know, like, you know, like playing with some gum or something. Who knows what he was doing? But the beauty is, is that God wants each one of us to be converted. And for each one of us, it's the first time unto salvation and then every single day as we turn back to the Lord. We turn away from competition. We turn away from positionalism. We turn away of getting the upper hand and making the right arguments so that everyone knows that I'm right or whatever. And we turn away from that. And we say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to be like a kid. Look what happens in verse 4. And I love this. Because Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like this little child, in verse 3, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore... Whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I love this. My friends, you need to learn from your children. You need to learn from your children. I think it's a play on words because we're here to teach children, right? But even as we teach children, we have to learn from them as well. Because Jesus says, therefore, and when you see the word therefore, what do we always say? What's it there for? That's Bible understanding 101. You see a therefore, it's a conclusion. You say, what's it there for? See, Jesus just said, unless you are converted and you become like this little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom. He said, there's no way into my kingdom unless you get converted and become like this kid. And he says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. See why greatness equals humility? Because the child represents humility to Jesus. Now, I made a joke before And you know there's a difference Between childishness and childlikeness. There's a big difference between the two See, childishness is if you're sitting there You know, like picking your nose Or playing with your gum or whatever It's like, I'm not saying you shouldn't pick your nose If you gotta get that thing out and do it You know, but you know maybe you, do it, you do it in a in, you do it, Never mind When you drive an analogy too far You know Wow. Remember, I said there's a difference between childlikeness and childishness. You see how this goes. God's not finished with me yet. But the idea here is the child is humble because the child doesn't fight against its position. It's a little child. Now, I realize that when part of the struggles of the teenage years, obviously, would be now all of a sudden they start to fight against their position. And that's what makes it so challenging for parents. I'm not there right now, and because I'm not there, I can't speak eloquently on it. But everyone always tells me, you think your life's hard with kids now? Wait until they become teenagers. But the idea is that a child in his humility is is not trying to be something he's not. It's okay being, this is who I am. And so we want to have this humility That a child has. This reminds me of Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2. Where it says. Be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us. And given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God. For a sweet smelling aroma. I love this. Be imitators of God it says. Such a powerful thing. See we become humble in the presence of God. Because humility, I mean, Jesus was the most humble man who ever lived. I mean, God became a human and then died on a cross. And so when you and I are in the presence of God, God's majesty provokes humility in the depths of who we are. And what happens is we lose the ability to be humble when we substitute church for the presence of God. That's how it's so easy for Christian leaders. Like I shared about leaders who get very upset when their position gets changed. Because sometimes you begin to value yourself by the position and not by the Savior. And so humility, see, you could spend your whole life in church and not be humble at all. And did not, I already confessed, this isn't my strong suit. I get left back there every year. I don't graduate to the next grade. I get left back. I'm in kindergarten on the humility. If I'm going through the grade school, I'm still in kindergarten and I'm a pastor. You know what I mean? So the reality is, is that you could still be, you could be in church your whole life and still never start imitating God as a dear children and walking in love. The kind of love that Jesus had that he would die on a cross for our sins. And that's why this is so beautiful and perplexing. But every time you look at your kids, there's a beautiful humility in kids, isn't there? There's just something so sweet and innocent. There's something so non-competitive. And it's something that the Lord, I believe, by his spirit wants to place in each one of us. That we would begin to be unimpressed with ourselves. We wouldn't spend all of our time thinking, wow, you know, I really got this thing going on here. And, you know, and you find yourself just saying, Lord, I just want to love the way you love. And Lord, whatever hand you choose to deal my life, to use a card playing metaphor, I trust that you're good and you know exactly what you're doing. And Lord, I'm going to humbly walk with you in this no matter what. See, you learn that from your kids. It's so powerful when you start to see if you those of you who are raising kids or you're helping grandkids or you're an auntie or you're an uncle or maybe you're not. Or, you know, or if you're here at Crossroads and you're serving in Crossroads kids, you're not only there to give to them, you're there to receive from them. And there's so much for us to learn from children, because in a lot of ways, even though they weren't of high social status in Jesus culture, they're not in ours either. But there's so much to learn I always think of my kids because I love the fact that kids have short memory. Like where they run. I just had this happen. We were hiking, you know, and my little Annabelle, she fell down and she hit the bottom of her chin on a rock. She scraped it. She was so sad, you know. But what was amazing is that she fell down she scraped her chin and what's the first thing she cried out for? Daddy. She reached up her arms. I love this. It's like I picked her up. It's like, when we fall down and we skin our knees, we should be reaching for our heavenly father, Daddy. And sure enough, like any dad, I just picked her right up and she cried on my shoulder and, and I was holding her and I was hugging her. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Are you hurting? She said, I'm hurting her so much, Dad. You know? And so I was just hugging her and she was, you know, getting boogers and blood all over my shirt and I didn't care. You know what I mean? She's my little girl. And then you know what happened? After she cried, I gave her, I'm like, you want some water? Yeah, I gave her some water. And then she was out climbing in the next rock. And I love that because you know what happens when you're an adult and you skin your face on a rock? You don't ever touch a rock again, right? <laughs> you're like, I ain't going to get on that rock. Last time I was on a rock, I skinned my face. <laughs> if I told anybody, hey, anybody want to go, hey? she's like, yeah, let's go. You know, it's great, you know, it doesn't even matter. She's got, like, scab growth coming out the side of her head, you know. But I love that about little kids because they don't spend their time cataloging hurts. They get hurt, they get cared for, and they go back to it. And that's something that we can learn, isn't it? Because for so many of us, we have these long memories. But we can learn from our kids and primarily from their humility. Look what it says in verse five. It says, whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. I love this cuz he says therefore whoever humbles himself as his little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. My friends, we need to receive others to Jesus. That's part of our job in as followers of Jesus, that we receive others to Jesus. Now, I believe that Jesus is not only talking about children, like in age, but he's talking about people who have turned from their own way, and they've turned to Jesus, and Jesus has made them humble. And I believe that each one of us, as part of the calling that God has in our lives, is that we would be people who receive other people to Jesus. And I just want to encourage each one of you that there are people... Who God wants to reach and he will use your life. He wants to reach them through you. And I just want to encourage you to grab hold of that. Because Jesus says, whoever receives one of these little ones in my name, who do they receive? Me. This is talking about what we call the work of ministry. Which is, we are involved in other people's lives. And as god is working in their life we are there and as we receive them in the name of jesus we are receiving jesus because that's why we call ourselves christians because we are like jesus because jesus has made us like him now listen each one of us has a sphere of influence people that you're around. Maybe it's by work. Maybe it's by where you live. Maybe it has to do with your family. Maybe it's because you like to do certain things that other people do. And I just want to encourage you to allow the Lord to leverage those things. Jesus, is real.
1: Jesus gave us a very clear example of Christian living. Look at the little children. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded us that our children's relationship with Jesus is among the purest examples for us to model. Children love without reservation. They run to the one they can trust when they fall, and they exude hope and joy. Christians should do likewise, allowing love and hope to lead us and running to Jesus at all times.
0: Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody Pastor Daniel Fusco here I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church I love that God invites all of us to be a part of his family and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver services on Sundays at 9am 11am and 1pm or in Southwest Portland our service on Sundays at 10am as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7pm at both campuses we would love to have you join us and if you're at a distance check us out on our internet campus crossroadslive.tv I look forward to seeing you soon
1: Join us again Again, here on Jesus is Real Radio, and Pastor Daniel will reveal to us an important spiritual word forgiveness. This is a word we like to say, but we really don't like to do. However, Jesus tells us to forgive again and again. In fact, he tells us to go above and beyond anyone else's idea of forgiveness. Our relationships with others will grow when we better imitate this trait of our Savior and put this word into practice.